Sometimes you got to, you really have to search for that. That was where I thought you were going. And I think that's really good because sometimes it's very hard for us out there. They're about to kill their baby. How do you commend them for what is good and right? I am yours. I am yours. I am yours. Send me, Lord. I am yours. I am yours. I am yours. Welcome to the Gospel Center Pro Life Podcast, a podcast designed to equip encourage and challenge you in pro-life ministry and always with a focus on the gospel stay tuned i felt your passion touched your heart use me lord use me lord welcome back to the gospel centered pro-life podcast my name is daniel parks and i serve as the national sidewalk outreach director as well as the west coast regional shepherd for love life and blessed to serve in that capacity. I'm joined, as always, by Vicki Kasiorg, who's our National Sidewalk Outreach Training Director. Say hey, Vicki. Hey there, everyone. Good to be here. Yeah, it is good to be here. And we do these episodes to encourage you guys and to challenge you guys, to help equip you guys to be as effective as possible on the sidewalks at the abortion centers in your city. A lot of times we talk about sidewalk outreach, at least. Sometimes we talk about more philosophical things. We did an episode last week talking about the unthinkable sin and uh, so that was more philosophical getting to Scripture, but also talked about some practical stuff. This week, I think our subject is going to be more practical, more applicable to the sidewalk outreach ministry. And we're going to be talking about how to speak to hostile people. Gee, um, we never see them out on the right. sidewalk, yeah. do we? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, um, yeah, unfortunately, it can be a, a common fixture out yep. on the sidewalk. Yep. We get people that are hostile to what we're saying and what we're doing. We did an episode probably two years ago or so, about dealing with angry people. Mm-hmm. So I think this will probably be along those same lines. Yeah. Um, but we've we've tweaked our format a little bit. So this will be the third episode that we've put out where we've changed our format just a bit. And we wanted to share, really, uh, kind of the main point, at least from my heart, was we want to share some stories of what's happening on the sidewalk, what's happening in various cities across the United States as people are reaching out at the abortion centers. Because I think that stories really do encourage us and, and kind of fuel the fire that's in us. And sometimes maybe you're out on the sidewalk and you don't see a lot of interactions and you're wondering, like, is it even, is it even helpful to be out here? And just want to encourage you with these stories. I mean, even though it might not be happening in your city, maybe it is because we're going to try to tell stories from across the board. Maybe we're yep. sharing one from your city in particular, but maybe not. Either way, just know this is not just about one city. This is about ultimately the church rising up. It's ultimately about Jesus. I mean, Mm -hmm. this is Jesus working through his church. Every story that we tell, that we share, is a story of the Lord working through his people. And um, the Bible says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. God uses these earthen broken vessels to bring his glory, to bring the treasure of the gospel to the darkest places in our cities. It's so awesome. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. So we want to encourage you. So that's been the format. We share a story, and then we share more of a training component based on that story or something else that we've seen that will help encourage you guys, again, to be um, be more effective, so something more practical. And then we get into the main subject, which, again, today is dealing with hostile people. So that's, that's our format. Hopefully it's an encouragement to you guys, and hopefully – you like this, let us know. We're going to leave our email addresses at the end of this episode. So let us know what you think about this format. Let us know 
uh, what you think about the subjects that we're covering, and let us know if you have some questions. Maybe there are some training subjects that we could cover. Maybe you have a story that you feel like other people should hear, something that happened in your city on the sidewalk, and you want us to share that. We would love to hear those stories. That would be great. Yeah, so so please reach out to us with those so that we can share them with others, because, again, it encourages the body of Christ. Yeah. So with that, let's jump into our story. What's something that happened on the sidewalk that stuck out to you, Vicki, that yeah. you think would be an encouragement? Yeah, so this happened here in Charlotte. Okay. We had a church group come, and they brought middle schoolers, and some high schoolers were in the group, and they were pretty nervous. Yeah, they were pretty frightened, um, but they they wanted to minister in some way in front of an abortion center. So we put them in groups of two and set them up and down the street holding signs. Okay. And um, this was a young lady, cute young lady who is a middle schooler yeah and um and we taught her how to hold the sign to really attract attention to the sign and so she was doing that with her friend and turned the sign towards the car as it's approaching it was a car from georgia it was a young black couple kind of fit the picture of often what we see uh right by the abortion center so clearly someone coming for yeah, an abortion. Plus, you know, Georgia tag, that's a giveaway for right, right. people coming here for abortions because people come here from Georgia all the time. Yes, yes. And so the car slowed down, clearly looked at the sign, slowed way down, kept driving on, and they come to the first entrance. There's two entrances to this abortion center. They came to the first entrance, clearly marked, parking here, don't talk to those protesters, all kinds of signs. You can't miss it. So they slowed way down at that entrance, and then they kept going. Meanwhile, this little middle schooler is looking with big eyes, watching the car, and the car doesn't pull in. It goes past the first entrance. Second entrance, again, tons of signs, park here, you know, no doubt. This is the abortion center clinic parking here. Yeah, the pro put all kinds of stuff out there trying to get people to go in. And so the car slows down again, really slow, and the, the middle schooler's watching, and the car kept going, drove by the second entrance to the abortion center and drove up the street. And, And the young lady turned to me and said, they didn't stop. They didn't turn in. And I said, they did not. Keep watching. And we kept watching. A lot of them will make a U-turn. They, yeah, they yeah, decided, oops, made a mistake. They don't know it's a loop also. Right. So didn't make a U-turn, kept going. Yeah. And wow. the, the girl looked at me, well, did d- what happened? What just happened? And I said, well, it's a possible save. We've seen yeah. it before. And it looks like, you know, if they don't come back, that's a couple that just saw your sign. And changed their mind. Yeah. And this girl was so ecstatic. And at the end of the day, um, she came to me and said, well, went to her teacher and said they were going to be coming back a couple days later, a new group. And she said, could I come with them? So it was just, it was just so exciting that yeah. the, this girl felt that God had used her to save a baby's life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And one of the things we often say when we do trainings and stuff and we talk specifically about signs is that signs can be a sign. Exactly. Yeah. Nine times out of ten, if you talk to a mom going into the abortion center and you ask her, did you pray and ask God for a sign that you shouldn't come here? Nine times out of ten, they're going to say, yeah, I prayed and asked for a sign. Even if they don't believe in God. Yeah. yeah. They do. (laughs) Yeah. And sometimes your sign Mm -hmm. that you're holding or someone else is holding 
can be a sign. So yeah. that's, that's an amazing story. Now, yeah. again, we don't know 100% because they didn't say we chose life. We don't. So we called it a possible, not a probable yeah. save. And, yeah. and we don't count them kind of in our tally. But, I, you know, it very well could have been. We oh, just lost. Yeah. There's so many cars that come and go. So we, we don't know if they came back. Yeah, yeah. But at least that baby had some reprieve for that time. Yeah. Right? At least yeah. that baby was getting a voice. And so, yeah. I mean, I trust that when we stand before the Lord, there's going to be potentially hundreds of babies that are saved right. because of things just like that, just exactly. because they got a glimpse of a sign yeah. and they kept driving. That was the sign. That was the confirmation that I yeah. shouldn't do this. Yeah. So it's, it's just amazing. And yeah. so to springboard off of that, a little training piece that has to do with the use of sign ministry, first thing is what I mentioned, signs can be a sign. Mm-hmm. So sign ministry can be very important. But one of the things we we always say is that we want to try to get our signs sort of in the peripheral, mm-hmm. right? So our signs, we don't want them right at the driveway normally. If you have somebody handing out literature, it's normally not great for them to be holding a sign. It's actually good for their hands to be free. Yeah. Uh, number one, just practically so they can get the literature into somebody's hands and engage with them so they don't have to put the sign to the side or whatever. But plus, the sign can kind of be a barrier because it seems like it, it, it's – it's something other than human contact, and there's just so much going on in these women's mind. We right. want to try to minimize any kind of distractions and stuff. Yeah. Um, but signs on the peripheral, or if you're on a main stretch of a road, like you know, a couple weeks ago when we were in Ontario and we were there, there's kind of this main road, Ontario, Oregon. There's this main road where cars are passing by all day, yeah. and it's like a great place for sign ministry. And I was actually encouraging the people that were there in the training with how effective signs can be mm-hmm. and just encouraging them with the fact that uh, there are babies that are saved quite possibly because somebody t- got a glimpse of your sign, just like I was sharing. Yeah. Yep. But then also some practical stuff. You know, there are businesses, and we talked about this, just like many of the things that we do in training. We've already done an episode, a full episode about this. So check out the episode we did about the effective use of signs. Yes. Um, and I shared this, you know, there are businesses like here in, in Charlotte and other areas, there's Sweet Frog. Sweet Frog is a yogurt place. There's mattress companies that do this, other companies that actually hire someone for minimum wage to hold a sign, mm-hmm. to flip the sign around or whatever. I'm not suggesting that you flip your sign around and break dance on your sign. Uh, but there are people that, that do that. They hire somebody yeah. and pay someone minimum wage to do that. Why? Because they could put the sign in the ground and people could see it. Um, they do that because they know people are more likely to engage with a message that's associated with a human than they are with a message that's just on a, on a stake in the ground or on a billboard or whatever. Right. And so, you know, practically speaking, it's better to hold a sign, to have someone holding a sign. Now, I wouldn't let it be my primary ministry, right? If I only had three people out there, I'm probably going to have two of those people freed up to hand out literature and to call out, right? That's going to be kind of the priority. And then maybe that third person to hold a sign. It's a really good entry-level ministry for people that are not comfortable calling out or or handing out literature or or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but having a person hold a sign is is more effective than leaning it against a building or against a signpost or, or whatever. And when you're holding a sign, smiling, waving, and making eye contact is key because they're seeing your face. They're associating your face with joy, with brightness, with with you know all the things that many of these women don't have in their life. Sure, they're associating your face with the message on the sign. And so, um, 
Yeah, just engage with people. You're building a relationship with people that are passing by or that are potentially coming into the clinic, and you're doing that through the look on your face, the way that you're holding a sign. Plus, you know, of course, if you're holding a sign in one direction and it's only a one-sided sign, people can only see it coming from that direction, and maybe there's cars coming from from one side of the road towards you, and you want to turn the sign that way if they're coming from behind you. It's often good to just change directions on that sign. Obviously, not everybody's going to be able to see it. Yeah. But the main thing is smile, wave, make eye contact, build a relationship with the people, and uh, they're more likely to engage with the message on your sign. Amen. And your sign might be the sign, just the sign that they needed. So really important ministry. So anyway, so um, this is different from the way we have done it in the past because uh, I was looking at the passage in Acts 22 to 23, so several passages in those two chapters, yeah. where Paul is speaking to the angry mob in Jerusalem. Yeah. And, and uh, it ends with the gospel going forth to the people that needed to hear it. It didn't end so well for Paul. He ends right. up in prison and where he ultimately dies. But... Um, uh, but the way that he spoke to the angry people, when I broke it down verse by verse, I was thinking, you know what? This is kind of good um, advice for yeah. us as sidewalk counselors because um, initially he got the crowd to listen to him. Yeah. And that's our goal. Yeah. We want to be heard and we want to be able to get our message across. And so I was kind of analyzing verse by verse, what did Paul do and um, and how did he do it? He did definitely face intense adversity as he starts off. Yeah. So in Acts 21 verse, I can't read it, I think it's 28, yeah, the mob it. tried to kill him, yeah. crying out, men of Israel, help. This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law in this place. And furthermore, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. So they're ready to kill him. He is yeah. he is defying what they believe is is God. He's, he's speaking blasphemy. He's... Um, um, and he's he's teaching the people to basically rise up against the government, all kinds of stuff, which was not true. So um, all Jerusalem is in an uproar. Paul is arrested. He's being dragged away. And then he urges them to let him speak before being dragged into prison or wherever. Yeah. He says, let me speak to this infuriated crowd. First of all, just the boldness. That he's like this. This crowd wants to kill him. Yeah. And um, but he says no. Um, let let me speak. And so now we get into and we're just kind of going to go through verse by verse, and kind of the takeaway of the verse of what Paul did that maybe we could incorporate into when we speak. Think about these things as yeah. we speak. Yeah. Yeah. And like we mentioned when we started this episode. Um, we speak oftentimes with hostile people, people right. that don't like what we're hearing, just right. like Paul. Yeah. Speaking to a hostile crowd, these Jewish yeah. people that didn't want to hear about this Jesus and didn't want to hear about what happened in Paul's life through right. his encounter with Jesus. Yeah. And many of the women that we encounter, many of the men that we encounter at the abortion center, they don't want to hear about Jesus. They want to hear about the truth of abortion. And so there can be some hostility. One of the things that I have seen, and you can confirm or deny this, but most of the time... The hostile people at the abortion center that would yell at us or, or whatever are not the moms going into the abortion center. Yeah. Most of the time, it's the dad or a family member or a friend right. that's trying to defend their friend that's right. going in or, or whatever. Yeah. And so, yeah, just understanding that is helpful. 
but yeah. it is a reality. We do get some hostile people yeah. from time to time. Yeah. So first Acts twenty two two says, and when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all the more silent. Yeah. So that's the first principle that he did right away off the bat, because they're ready to kill him, and he starts speaking Hebrew. Yeah. And instantly they grow silent. Yeah. They grow more silent. So I thought the first takeaway for me, identify with them, speak their language. Yeah. And so specifically, if they're hostile and they're cussing us out, it's best for us to start cussing them out back. <laughs> exactly. That is exactly the point. <laughs> no. <laughs> But if we can, uh, you know, we ju- we just did very recently a podcast on um, Hispanic people. Yeah. And, you know, if we can identify with them and their culture, you're a people who loves the Lord yeah. you, and, and people that, that love life, and then be able to speak Spanish or have someone there that can speak Spanish, that's the literally speaking their language. Yeah. But they're, they, it can be metaphorically speaking their language. Yeah, yeah. so language. I have an example. Okay. So you know, there's an angry dad yeah. who his girlfriend's in the abortion center. I'm calling out or whatever. Maybe I'm calling out as she's going in. I'm saying, hey, come over and take our information. Your baby is precious and made in the image of God. And he starts cussing me. Yeah. One of the ways I can speak his language and identify with him is say, hey, man, I understand this is a difficult situation. I get yeah. that you guys are going through a bunch of a bunch of stuff right now, but I want you to know that we're here to help. Like that's a yeah. way to identify with them and really speak their language. What, what is their language? It's fear. Yep. Right. Um, it's angry uh, language. It's like I understand that you're angry, and so I I even say that I understand you're angry with us, but just please know we're here to offer help. Yeah. So I'm kind of turning it around, right? I'm kind of helping them to understand um, the reality by identifying with them. And, you know, like you say, speaking their language. Yeah, exactly. You want to do the, the next the next verse is Acts 22.3. Yeah. So he says, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicilia. Sicilia? Cilicia. Cilicia. Spelled okay. Cilicia. <laughs> cool. Well, uh, yeah, we'll roll with that. But brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous toward God, as you all are today. Right. And so the point with this is commend them for what is good and right. So he's commending them. You guys are zealous yeah. for God. Yeah. And in the same way, you got an angry, hostile person, kind of like I, I mentioned. Um, maybe it's a dad. Maybe it's a friend walking in. Her friend is inside, and she's cussing us and hostile. Yeah. It's acknowledge it. Like, I'm so, listen, it's it's commendable. You want to protect your friend. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And we you, understand that. Sometimes you, gotta, you really have to search for that. Yep. That was where I thought you were going, and I think that's really good because sometimes it's very hard for us out there. They're about to kill their baby. How do you commend them for what is good and yeah, right? Sure. But that's exactly perfect yeah. what you did. You found something that was good and right, and we're able to – that will instantly soften people. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So so yeah, um, the the next one is in uh, verses four to five. Paul is speaking. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness, and all the council of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren, and went to Damascus to bring in chains even those who were there in Jerusalem to be punished. So he's using I statements. First of all, 
and he's admitting things that um, were sinful. Now, these the people he's speaking to don't yet know or wouldn't recognize what he was doing as sinful. They would identify with it. But he is speaking it as though, look, I used to do exactly what you're doing. Yeah. So he's saying, I'm not above you. I'm not better than you. I used to do the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So he's speaking with humbleness, truth, and admitting his own uh, being lost yeah. and, and yeah. sinning. In a practical way, this could work itself out is, you know, and I think you have to be prayerful and strategic with this. But if you have an abortion in your past, sure, you could say, you know what? I was where you are right now, and yep. I took the life of my baby, and yep. I regret it. Or on the flip side, and I do share my testimony, me and my wife, our testimony when we were in high school and she got pregnant, and our daughter's 25 years old now, and a yeah. blessing. I will yeah. share that. You know, I, I was where you are, young yeah. man. I got a girl pregnant in high school, and that was difficult. But God's faithful. And so I think, yeah, again, that's that's helpful to share with them. We're not any better than you. We don't think we're better than you. God has rescued us, and He can right. He can rescue you. Right. Which I think leads us to the next point, mm-hmm. where Paul then in Acts twenty two verses six through eight he says, "Now it happened, as I journeyed and came near Damascus, at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me?'" So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And so sharing your testimony, that's the the fourth kind of springboard off of this, how to deal with hostile people. Share your testimony. I've been where you are. Yeah. And God rescued me. And even sharing what God has done in your life, I think, is important. Now, you don't have a whole lot of time to do that and like calling out and that kind of scenario or whatever, maybe if they march over to you and you're able to share in a one-on-one context just the testimony of what the Lord has done in your life, testimony of the faithfulness of God in your life. Um, mm-hmm. I would say even the testimony of what God has done in other people's lives that you've seen, like yeah. something to the effect of like, young man, I, I, I've seen situations just like what you and your girlfriend are struggling with, and I've seen God be faithful in those situations. Yeah. Let me share with you a story that happened just last week or just mm-hmm. two weeks ago or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Sharing the testimony of what Jesus did in your life or in the lives of others is a powerful way, and it's exactly what Paul did here in Acts chapter 22. Yeah, and then, you know, the next step, which he outlines in Acts twenty two ten. so I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. So describing God's call and mission focus, which God sets forth. And um, I love how he says, What shall I do, Lord? Because instantly that made me think, that's what these women are asking. Maybe not directly of God, but they are saying, What should I do? Yeah. And, um, and, Paul tells us that God gave him his mission, and I think we can direct the women, put your eyes on Jesus. Yeah, yeah. You know, I do not know what to do, but my eyes are on you, is is a verse in the Bible, and I think that that's such good advice, and that's, that's what he's doing. He yeah. doesn't know what to do. He asked the proper one what to do. Yeah. He doesn't ask his friend. He doesn't ask the abortionist. He doesn't ask the boyfriend. Well, not Paul's boyfriend. <laughs> You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. <laughs> but he asked the Lord. He yeah. says, what shall I do, Lord? Yeah. And God will will give him his mission. 
And I think the question that you ask often and encourage as we train people to ask is mm-hmm. that very thing. What yeah. would God have what you do? What would God have you do? Very hey, important Mama, would question. you just ask God, what would you have me to do? Or we're talking one-on-one. I'll ask the question. You'll ask the question. Have you prayed about this? Yeah. And what do you think God would have you to do? Yeah. And so, yeah, that's that's vital. That's yeah. important. And so next um, is describe the transformation of darkness to light. That's what Paul yeah. does as he's dealing with this he hostile crowd. Yeah, yeah. He again talks about what the Lord has done in his life. Yeah. And I don't think that we can overdo that, sharing how God has brought us from darkness into light. And he says here, and since I could not see from the glory of that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came to Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good testimony of all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me. And he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at the same hour, I looked up at him, and he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. Acts 22, verses 11 through 14. So here, this uh, this brother in the Lord comes and, and lay hands. One of the things I often say is that Saul was knocked off his high horse and blinded yeah. so that he might truly see. Yeah. And so that blinding light of the glory of Jesus actually made this man have an encounter in such a way where his eyes were truly open. Yeah. And again, if God did that for Paul, mm-hmm. if God did that for me, then God will do that for you. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You can also be brought out of the darkness of this place that we know you don't want to be. Right. To the light of the Lord. So um, he goes on to say, then he said to me, this is in Acts 22, verses 21 to 22, so it's a little bit later. Then he said to me, depart, for I will send you far from here to the Gentiles. And they listened to him until this word. So he is just recounting, God is now telling Paul, he's going to send him far away to the Gentiles. And, um, and they listened to him until this word. And then they raised their voices and said, away with such a fellow from this earth, for he is not fit to live. Yeah. Okay. They don't like the fact that he's going to go to the Gentiles. Right. You know, he's, he's a Jew. He should be speaking to the other, his, yeah. his Jewish buddies. But I think it is a very important principle that, that we are being shown here. Expect they will not listen. And especially when you speak something they really do not want to accept, and you are likely to face persecution. Yeah. We would be lying to say this doesn't happen to us right. out there. Yeah. Now, let me just share the flip side of this, too. Like okay. The gospel, the truth is already offensive enough. Right. Yeah. So you don't need to add to it. So, yes, expect <laughs> that maybe your message is not going to be received. Yes. But you want to do everything you can to de-escalate. Right, Paul didn't yeah. say this just so he could poke the bear and kick a hornet's nest. He said it very respectfully, matter yeah. of factly. This is what God told him. Yeah. He's just yeah. stating the facts. He's, sharing, he's stating the facts, right. and so right. we have to state the facts. Yes, you know, as much as we de-escalate the situation. Again, yeah. I've got a maybe a young man in front of me who's cussing, and his girlfriend's inside the abortion center. I'm like, sir, like uh, it's it's commendable that you want to protect your girlfriend. I get that. I appreciate that, and uh, really want to just let you know we're here to offer help. But as much as you want to protect her, understand that you have a responsibility to protect your baby that's about to die. Now, that's going to yeah. sting, right? But I'm not saying that just to sting him and just, again, to kick the hornet's nest to make him mad. But I do have a responsibility to tell him the truth. 
Yeah. Not that, hey, you guys are making a bad reproductive health choice. Yes. <laughs> no, you guys are about to kill your own child and young man. And it's man, sin. You need to stand up for the life of your baby. Right, so, right. And that might cause them to um, shut you off. That's right. But they it's may reality. walk away. They yeah. may run away. They may scream at you. They may, you know, shove you. Yeah. Who knows? But now, yeah. notice though, Paul doesn't again try to kick the hornet's nest all the more, right? He's not trying to just offend them unnecessarily, but he is sharing the truth of what God has done and what God has called him to. Right, right, yeah. So uh, the next one is from Acts twenty-two thirty, 30, verse 30. The next day, because he wanted to know for certain why he was accused by the Jews. So they haven't told him why, yeah. why he was accused yet. He released him from, oh, wait, um, uh, that might be the leader who is wondering why Paul was accused by the Jews. He released him from his bonds, yeah, and commanded the chief priests and all their council to appear and brought Paul down and set them before them. So the the principle that I wanted to bring forth is if God has sent you there, those who need to hear the message will hear it. This yeah. is a huge encouragement. Yeah. Paul wasn't able to orchestrate this. They did this. God did this. And, and had Paul sent before the people who God had prepared who wanted to hear the message. Yeah, yeah. And so just wrap up with these last two points, um, Paul in Acts 23, verses 4 through 5. He says, And those who stood by said, Do you revile God's high priest? This is Paul before the council. Um, and Paul said, I did, I did not know, brethren, that he was the high priest, for it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of the people. And so the point here is remain respectful. He was yep. respectful. He was yep. not trying to dishonor this high priest. Yep. Remain respectful. There are those who are hostile to you. Be respectful. Try to de-escalate as much as possible, even in the midst of uh, great adversity, as you say here in the article. Yeah, yeah. And then to um, to wrap up this final point that you say in the article, despite adversity, God is with you and following his plan no matter what is always best. And mm -hmm. here in Acts 23, 11 says, but the following night, the Lord stood by him, stood by Paul and said, be of good cheer, Paul, for as you have testified for me in Jerusalem, so you must also bear witness in Rome. So God was with him. And guys, even in the midst of hostility and the things that come against us, we're we're not trying to make people angry at us. We're just trying to share the truth. Know that if God's called you to this, God's with you in it. Mm -hmm. So Amen. you can be confident. Yeah. And you can you can be confident that God is going to continue to use your voice. Don't be discouraged. That's what the enemy wants to do with these potential hostile interactions with people are yelling at you and on all of this. Don't be discouraged by it. Don't let the devil neutralize you and get you in fear. God yeah. has not given us a spirit of pure fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. So and look at look at bold. what happened. Ultimately, Paul is known, through, you know, wrote so many books in the Bible and is known by for two thousand years one of the greatest uh, saints, of, yeah. uh, one of God's greatest servants. Yeah, no so, doubt. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, we want to encourage you to reach out to us. You can reach me, Daniel, at lovelife.org. You reach her, Vicky, with a Y, at lovelife.org. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, just some feedback on this episode, maybe suggestions for future episodes. Uh, again, like we shared, maybe you have some stories that you would like for us to share on one of our episodes, something that happened in your city. We'd love to hear from you. So please reach out to us. And please take advantage of our podcast website, gospelcenteredprolife.com, and also our training and equipping website where all the articles that we use as a framework for our episodes are. 
That's sidewalks and number four life.com. You can click equipping articles and the articles are there. But until next time, God bless. God bless you all. Give me an outlet for love. Give me an outlet for gratitude. I know it will cost me my life. But nothing's too precious since I met you.